Hello and welcome. This is Talk the Plank, Episode 2, a baseball podcast focusing on the Pittsburgh Pirates on SB Nation's Bucks Dugout. I'm Nathan Hirsch, your host, and today we have a guest, our first guest, um, and it's Sarah Sanchez. She is the lead voice for SB Nation's Cubs site, Bleed Cubbies Blue, where she also co-hosts their podcast, Cup of Cubby Blue. I love that name. She also is a contributing writer at Fangraphs. Very impressive. Sarah, how's it going today? Well, it's going pretty well in Chicago, but I, I feel a little bit bad <laughs> jumping on uh, yeah. the Pirates opening day bandwagon here. <laughs> well, yeah, opening uh, series. I just want to say it's just nice having real baseball on. So, so true. Not, not extremely high expectations for the Pirates in terms of winning. And um, I got to say, if you're if you're following the Cubs, if you're a Cubs fan, it, it's probably Probably sweating through a few of those games there. Well, at least today. Uh, today, opening day, yeah, yeah, there there was a lot to get nervous about here in Chicago, but they managed to pull through okay. So yeah, opening day, the Pirates took that game five to three, and um, it's a good game. Cabrian Hayes with the two run homer. Saturday game, not so good. Cabrian Hayes gets hurt, and he was actually placed on the ten day IL today. Pirates lost that one to the Cubs 5-1. to And then today, um, Cubs got out to an early lead, and the Pirates fought back, but they fell just short 4-3. to I'll ask you this, since you're a Cubs person, um, I, I'm sure the Cubs have expe- expectations of getting to the playoffs this year. I feel like every NL Central team, not the Pirates, do. But um, what would you say you're – perception of the pirates are right now at this exact moment so i'll be honest i thought the pirates played really well in this series i mean i know cabrian hayes is going to be a great star and so i was not surprised to see him make kyle hendricks pay for a leadoff walk in that first um inning of opening day even a little bit I, i was real bummed to see him come out of Saturday's game. It looks like they're just being super cautious there. All of the MRIs and imaging came back well, so they're just taking 10 days to make sure that nothing happens to their hopefully future franchise player. I I thought that the Pirates played well. I thought that the Cubs played slightly better. I, I would I would take a small issue with your like their expectations of the playoffs here in Chicago. I feel like the Cubs are kind the Cubs are kind of a team that wouldn't mind if they went to the playoffs. They would be totally happy if that were the outcome. However, they didn't do anything <laughs> this offseason to convince fans that that's their plan. It's more like if it happens, it would be okay. <laughs> uh, so I don't know that there are huge expectations here for this postseason. I think it really depends on if the Cubs can get off to a hot start and make it hard for Jed Hoyer to trade away some of those core players who are coming up on their contract year. Yeah, that makes sense. They they did uh they brought in Trevor Williams, former pirate, but yeah, no, no huge splash moves and hearing you say that is actually funny because when the Pirates were sort of relevant, that's basically how they went into every season where they just wouldn't add anything and uh yeah, it's that's kind of um it's interesting not seeing the uh ownership per se really invest heavily into winning this year um but yeah you're right the cubs i mean 
The way I look at the Cubs is the lineup is still really solid, still have that great core of position players, and uh, the pitching is just, starting pitching in particular, it's pretty interesting. It's just Kyle Hendricks at the top, who is very solid. He's always outperforming his uh, peripherals. But then it's just a whole bunch of soft tossers right after. And, um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't really, I don't really buy their starting pitching that much. But I mean, they're pretty solid in general compared to the Pirates, but I could just say that about anyone. Um, yeah. I don't know that anybody on the north side of Chicago really buys their starting pitching either. Don't get me wrong. Zach Davies threw really nice today, but yeah. it's hard to get over the fact that that spot used to belong to you, Darvish, and that the Cubs deliberately turned you Darvish into a year of Zach Davies and just threw in Victor Caratini for giggles, I guess. Um, yeah. You know, the the pitching for the Cubs, I think, is going to be a real interesting question for them this entire season. They have a lot of players who don't throw the ball very hard but are wicked good in terms of how they place the baseball. So Davies, Hendricks, Mills, all of those guys are exceptionally good at command. And even though they are they aren't throwing the ball 99 miles an hour. So we'll see if that's a sustainable system as a outsider looking in sort of analyzing baseball. I like the idea that the Cubs are more invested in pitching than they are in flamethrowing, which it seems like every other team is invested in. I just don't know if it's going to work. Right. Like, I don't know what happens right. when you show major league lineups back to back to back guys who are throwing 88. Yeah, I agree. Especially, it kind of seems like third time through the order, like today with uh, Davies, that's when the Pirates started cash in a little bit. And uh, yeah, it's a very interesting um, way to go about things, going with the pitching per se and not just the hard throwers. And that kind of, it's kind of funny that you say that because I look at Mitch Keller today for the Pirates and uh, I see a guy who has some pretty Pretty good stuff. Mid-90s fastball. The slider looked pretty good at times. And the curveball, I think, has a chance to be really good. But he just can't throw strikes. And it was just kind of night and day going from Davies every half inning, just pinpointing that high 80s fastball and the uh, filthy changeup at times. And then you see Mitch Keller, the fastball's all over the place. He gets behind early. And then Cubs hitters are able to kind of, you know, either walk or sit on something. But... There's other times, too, you know, he had four strikeouts in three innings, four walks as well. But Keller has the stuff, but the command is just, it's iffy at best. Yeah, I think that's going to be rough for this Pirate squad all season. I, I think that was also on display a little bit on opening day. I mean, the Cubs, I don't know how much of this has to do with weather because the Cubs pitchers, I think I read somewhere that they threw 214 pitches and only 122 of them were for strikes during Thursday's game, and that's exactly what it looked like watching from my couch at home. It was a lot of walks and a lot of what is even going on right now. I kind of thought that the Pirates deserved to win that game like 12 to 2 or something yeah, as, opposed to, for sure. <laughs> as opposed to how they won it. Um, but that said, I think that in general, this Cubs team, they have a pretty good approach at the plate. They're going to take their walks. You've got a lot of guys who are willing to wait out a pitcher like Keller when they're having mm. some control issues there. Chris Bryant will take a walk. Anthony Rizzo will take a walk. You know, Wilson Contreras struck out a lot today. He got, he, he did not really get an assist from the home plate umpire there at all, but he's Pretty another guy. Though. What was that? 
It was a pretty wide zone today. Yeah, it, it was an interesting zone. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> um, but he's also a guy who will take a walk, right? Really the, the lone guy in the Cubs lineup who wants to swing and is going to swing no matter what is Javier Baez. And Javi, I, I kind of like what I saw from Javi in this series and that when he got on the, on the base paths, he was going to try to induce some chaos, right? So he had that two stolen base. Uh, he stole two bases in two minutes and 40 seconds. I yeah. went back and timed it. It was outstanding. <laughs> that was exciting. Uh, it seemed like he got on some pretty deep counts to this, this series. Um, I'm looking now. I don't, I'm not sure if he walked at all, but he, at least when I think of Javi Baez, I think of the guy when he first got called up, he swung at literally every pitch. And, um, you know, I think now he's, he's never going to be an on base guy, but if he's, if he's mashing 30 home runs and maybe gets close to 30 steals while playing elite shortstop defense, you'll take that always. Oh, for sure. I'm not complaining about Javier Baez. He's a wonderful player to have on your favorite team. I just, he's not really going to take a bunch of walks. He's certainly not going to be the guy to make Mitch Keller's pitch count go up a tremendous amount. You really want a Chris Bryant or maybe a Jason Hayward to get that done. Um, The thing I, I kind of liked from the Pirates this series is, you know, it seems like a lot of teams are carrying 14 pitchers, which is smart, obviously, you know, Nobody really wants to be, uh, we'll see how many 200 inning guys there are at the end of the year. But, uh, a lot of it's getting spread out. And a lot of the Pirates pitchers, I mean, I'm not extremely familiar with, but one guy that kind of impressed me, um, this series was Dwayne Underwood Jr. and he was on the Cubs. And I was wondering if you had, had explained to me how, how he is as a pitcher because before spring training, I really did not know who he was. Uh, so he's been a member of the Cubs for a few years now. He's come up in some spot start or spot release spots for them over the last couple of seasons. You know, the curveball is pretty. It's one of those pitches that is definitely an out pitch for him. And he has shown at times, um, an ability to really, really be good in those, um, What's the word I'm looking for in those in those relief appearances? He's not really a guy that's going to do a ton of damage for the back end of your bullpen. He's probably not the guy that you're looking for to set up to be your setup guy or your, your eighth inning, seventh inning type of guy. But he, he's a solid weapon out there in the back of the pen. I was glad to see him catch on with another team. Yeah, um, I enjoyed watching him pitch this weekend. Uh, Mid nineties fastball as well. Who doesn't throw mid nineties? But yeah, other Pirates guys, I mean, it's funny, like, the starting rotation is definitely, it's not great, you know, Cole, Tyler Anderson, and Mitch Keller for this series, and then they also have JT Brubaker, who's pretty intriguing, and then the fifth starter, we don't even know yet, but uh the, the bullpen, there were some guys, I mean, Underwood Jr., like I said, I love Sam Howard, um, but the guy that's been great this spring and had a few nice outings uh, this series was David Bednar, who was, I believe, the Pirates got him in the Joe Musgrove deal. Um, he was pretty solid, and uh, I just think, I just think the a strength for the Pirates, I guess, this season, if there is one, would definitely be probably the bullpen at this point. Um, so I mean, yeah, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about what did you see from the Pirates bullpen this this series? Well. The 
Pitt's bullpen had a really nice um, run on opening day against a Cubs team that really was struggling quite a bit. I thought that, you know, there was some chatter around Cubs circles about, uh, well, we'll get we'll get past the starter and then we'll just get into the bullpen and everything will be fine. And it, it actually didn't work that way at all. I don't know if it was a combination of the cold weather. It was about 35 degrees yeah. in Chicago here for that for that game. But neither team was really pitching effectively. And so there wasn't a lot of contact being made. It was just kind of an ugly game, an ugly baseball game to watch. And it lasted forever. I remember I was sitting, yeah, it really did. I, I was sitting here on Thursday and the TV kind of does that thing where it warns you that like, Oh, the next show's coming yeah. off or whatever. Yeah. And it was the top of the sixth inning. And I, and I was like, the next show is definitely not coming on for a long time. The post game show is at least two hours away. And I think at that moment in time, it had been like two hours and 40 minutes or something like that. So, you know, aside from that, I think that this Pirates team looks like a team that's going to, they're going to lose a lot of baseball games this year. And I, I, I don't mean that, to, I don't mean that to discourage your listeners or your fans, but they don't, they, they just don't, they haven't come together. And, you know, losing Cabrian Hayes for even 10 games is just not, that's not what you want to see. He's like the low, one of the bright spots in this roster, right? That said, sure. I think that the bullpen was better than I expected them to be. The bullpen, you know, it was nice to see Dwayne Underwood having some success with his new team. He's, I, I'm a big fan of his. I hope he gets a shot. I think that he can make a difference in a bullpen. Uh, I, he just missed the Cubs bullpen. I think they let him go because they needed, I'm trying to remember who it was they needed to add at the very end there, but, um, it might have been the maple spot. It might have been, um, one other person who just barely made the 40 man roster. It was a little bit of a surprise and I'm just blanking on it mm. right now. So, you know, there's things to look forward to, but it really does feel like 2021 is going to be a, a season where the Pirates just kind of hang on in this division as the other four teams that are pretty evenly matched try to fight it out at the top. And I want to be really clear here. This is not me being like super enthusiastic about the Cubs or anything like that. I think the other four teams in the NL Central are all like 85-ish win teams yeah. if they're really lucky. And they're going to get rocked in the first round of the playoffs by whoever they face <laughs> in that wild card game. So it's like, eh. I don't know. This whole division feels pretty mediocre as currently constructed, and the Pirates just happen to be the worst team in a mediocre division. Yeah, for sure. Um, everything you said there is 100% accurate. Uh, trust, trust me, the Pirates fans know that this is going to be a rough season. Here, here's a question for you though. They're over under. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you bet at all. I bet, but <laughs> the Pirates over under and wins. I think the official number was 58 and a half, which to me just seemed absurdly low. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they, if they won less than 58 games, but I don't know. Do you see them as a, as a less than 60 win team this season? I kind of do. I think that the Pirates, <laughs> yes. I think that the Pirates and the Rockies are probably both staring down the barrel of 100 lost seasons. Mm. And I, and I don't mean that on like that they're they're barely gonna lose a hundred games. I mean that on the like they're you're looking at like a one hundred five, one hundred ten. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be yeah, it's gonna be a it, it, it's not gonna be pretty in Pittsburgh and Denver this summer. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, I the optimist in me thinks maybe they squeak out sixty five wins, but ugh, I don't know. It's gonna be a long year, especially like. During spring training, the Pirates had some guys uh, just absolutely hitting 
so well. Kevin Newman hit like 600 or something. It was insane. Obviously, spring stats are beyond meaningless, but it was just funny. And then today, it's just, you know, Frazier, Newman, Reynolds, Moran. And then, you know, Philip Evans is actually pretty nice. Gregory Blanco. Eh. But the lineup is just, it's kind of like dud after dud. It's kind of like if you looked at Colin Moran, for example, I would say is the Pirates' best hitter. He was today, obviously. If you put him in the Cubs lineup, he's he's probably he's probably batting eighth or Sogar batted today. I mean, it's it's just pretty funny to look at like that. Yeah, I I would probably struggle to put Colin Moran. Maybe he might hit ahead of Jason Hayward every now and again, depending yeah. on his pitching. I don't know. Like I it's just not a very deep lineup. And and the thing you want to see when you're a fan who's in that situation and you've got a team that is, you know, you know they're not going to be very good. What you really want is some of those young stars to come up and get a chance to make their mark, right? right. You want to see more players like Cabrian Hayes and you want to see what they can do with that playing time and see if they have, if they have it together and if they can make a run at it. That's just going to be really difficult for any team to do this year because a lot of the players who would have been your exciting prospects in 2020 weren't playing a full minor league season. They were playing at their team's alternate sites, right? So it's going to take teams a while to even figure out who those players are and where they can pencil them in. I think for the Pirates in particular, you know, they're not going to get a look at what their AAA players look like and who can come in to maybe give you some excitement around looking ahead to the future until AAA gets started in at the start of May. And right. so it's just one of those situations where if you've got to have um, a 100-loss team, you want there to be a bright spot somewhere, and, and it just really doesn't feel like the Pirates have a lot of them outside of their third baseman right now. Exactly, and another funny part of that... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline is it kind of seemed like Jen Sher- or Ben Sherrington, the Pirates GM, he, the trades he made, you know, he ripped it down to the studs, Josh Bell gone, Joe Musgrove gone, Marte gone, you know, in 2019. He traded these players, and he traded for prospects that are very far away, like high teens, age, low 20s, you know, 19, 20, 21-year-olds, and they a lot of them haven't even been above a so a ball so it's it's gonna it's definitely gonna take a while and we're we're gonna be seeing this kind of lineup um probably for a while and then we'll we'll see too i mean i think during the season there's a great chance uh adam frazier's traded maybe if moran keeps playing well the team might want his bat um if Gregory Polanco ever shows a pulse, maybe there's a team out there that needs his bat. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's basically Hayes and Keller, I mean, is the other promising young pitcher on the Pirates. And then it's just – it's a whole bunch of basically quad-A flyers. And I guess for the Pirates, they're trying to see if maybe 
whether it's in the bullpen, whether it's a guy like, you know, I mentioned Phillip Evans, whether they step up and maybe become uh, big leaguers for good, basically. But, yeah, a lot of the guys they, they got in trades, it's it's going to be a while. Well, and that was true for the Cubs' return for Darvish, too, right? Like, they took mm-hmm. three years of Victor Caratini and you Darvish and turned it into one year of Zach Davies and four – uh, prospects who are like, they could be interesting someday, but it's really difficult for me to know because most of them are like 18, 19 years old. And I just can't imagine that we're going to see them in Chicago until at least 2023 or 2024, if like everything goes right. And I think that there's a couple of things going on there. One, I think that there's a very real question mark in terms of what the 2022 season will look like in terms of both how the collective bargaining agreement gets yes. restructured, what that might mean for player control, what that might mean for incentives to bring up uh, players at various points in time, all of those types of questions, right? They're just kind of a big question mark out there. And two, whether if those negotiations go really poorly, and, and I think there are reasons to think they could based on how the negotiations for the shortened season for 2020 went right like those were not that was not friendly negotiations let's get baseball back as quickly as possible everybody wants there to be a game that was a preview of the lines in the sand that the players and the ownership were willing to draw in order to milk any teeny tiny advantage they could for themselves out of those negotiations and what that tells me is that if you're a general manager or you're the president of baseball operations, you're like a Jed Hoyer type or a Ben Charrington type, you don't want a bunch of players that could make an impact in 2022 because you don't know what 2022 is going to be. They're much more interested in building something after that that they can shape based on the new contours of the game and the new rules of the game that will exist after that agreement gets hashed out at some point. But why would you want to go all in on a contract that's going to come to fruition in a season that may not exist? And, you know, I, I far from far be it for me to say that there's going to be a strike or anything else like that. I hope there isn't. There hasn't mm-hmm. been one in like, I think going on 26 or 27 years now. I would love it if that were the case going forward and baseball just continued uninterrupted. But it seems like some, based on some of these returns, based on some of these timelines, it looks like there are smart general managers saying, if our year isn't 2021, if our year isn't 2022, I am totally willing to push this envelope a few years, a few miles down the road and like just see what happens and try my luck at being competitive in 2023 or 2024. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, that's a great point. And kind of, kind of to, uh, expand on that, you know, you look in 2021, it's the Dodgers, it's the Padres, it's the Yankees, it's the Braves and the Mets. And I mean, that's, that's about it. Like there's those super teams. And then after that, it's, you know, anyone could get in the playoffs and make a run. It's always a crapshoot, but there's those top, top tier teams. And then everyone else, it's just kind of, they're kind of biding their time, I would say. Exactly. And there's no real incentive for them to push all in in 2021 or 2022, which means us fans of the NL Central can get used to a lot of like just, I don't know, like it's fun to cheer for the Cubs. I was on a rooftop on Saturday and it was, you know, 65 degree weather and that was a lovely place to be. But I just wonder, it, it might be a while before I'm looking at the Cubs putting together a World Series winner again. Yeah, but like you said, it's the NL Central, so if 
if you are one of those four teams and you're 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 duking it out for a division title, I mean that's that's fun in its own right. So, like I said, if you just get in the playoffs, who knows? But at least at least yeah, maybe 82 wins wins the division this year. That would be funny. But um, it's it'll be fun to watch for sure. I would say. And <laughs> as a Pirates fan, I mean, I think because they're in the NL Central, they they will be able to maybe stack a few more wins than they would have if they were, say, playing the Dodgers and Padres like 40 times. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> they do not have to worry about playing <laughs> the super teams all of the time. Um, yeah. So looking at the Cubs a little bit, I just want to say Ian Happ, Pittsburgh native, love him. Um, the Pittsburgh broadcast actually brought something up how – he uh he like bought his little league coach from Mount Lebanon um which is near Pittsburgh basically a Roberto Clemente like limited edition watch and uh, it was just pretty cool to hear about what do you what are your thoughts on Ian Happ cuz here in Pittsburgh we actually we love the guy uh here in Chicago we love the guy too Ian yeah. Happ is great Ian Happ has a podcast called The Compound that he started during the pandemic season with some of the other Cubs minor league uh, prospects who were living in the, they were living in a compound in Arizona. That was how they were working out and just hanging out all the time. It's a great show. Um, he has parlayed that into a couple of different deals. I think he's like started a coffee company. So you can, Ian Happ will like, you can like subscribe to his coffee company. I don't at the moment. I'm sorry, Ian. Yeah. I have not tried your coffee yet. I, I may <laughs> at some point in time. Um, and you know, some, some deals here with local, outlets a friend of mine joe who runs the obvious shirts corporation you know ian happ really like helped to amplify that get that off the ground um obvious shirts are great they are uh, obvious things that you put on shirts that say things like you know jake arietta is good at baseball that's well that hurts that's a shirt. it's a shirt <laughs> <laughs> yeah well y'all no, started it y'all poked the jake bear when he was in we the did. middle of like one of the greatest Season, like half seasons in MLB history and he the Jake Bear bit back so yeah I will say um I I was scarred 2015 for the Pirates that was you know that was our last chance that was the 98 win season and you want to talk about bad wild card game luck the Pirates experienced that they went to three they were lucky to win one of them but Winning 98 games and then losing in a wild card game in the fashion they did, it, it was probably one of the, uh, the worst sporting experiences that I've personally ever had to deal with. So thank you for that, Jake Arietta. <laughs> I will say that that Pirates team is probably the best argument against single game wild card yeah. games. I, that Pirates team was incredibly good and, I mean, y'all ran into what Madison Bumgarner and Jake Arrieta, and two, that was it. Two uh, legendary pitching runs at the time, yes. And um, you know, Bumgarner led the Giants to win the World Series that year, so I kind of, I can't be too mad at that. But uh, yeah, Arrieta was just insane. He was going on his Bob Gibson-like run that summer, and I remember too. It was. It was like late in the season. He even hit a home run against the Pirates, and it was just like it was the worst thing. And yeah, when Schwarber hit that home run in the wild card game, we basically just knew it, it was done. Then 
and uh, the Cubs had their success. What they didn't win it that year, they won it the next year. But yeah, it's just pretty crazy. And here we are now. The Cubs kind of, <laughs> you know, they're still relevant, but not quite as much. And um, a lot of contracts are going to be timing out here soon, right? I know Javi Baez. He's a free agent to be this this upcoming winner. What do you think they do with, with him? I mean, I would love the Cubs to get some of these extensions done. I think that based on what leaked out of the – so it's Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo, and Chris Bryant. All of their contracts are due at the end of the season. Wilson oh. Contreras comes due in 2022. Um, the negotiations with Rizzo leaked, and frankly – I'm insulted on behalf of Anthony Rizzo. I think. Yeah, I saw, what was that, five themselves. for 70? 570, which is, it's a pay cut. I mean, he's making $16.5 million this year on a team front, on the last year of a team friendly deal. So the idea that you're going to say, Hey, Anthony Rizzo, you want to make less money to play, to play for the Cubs for five more years? The answer is no. And if that's where the Cubs lead those conversations, Anthony Rizzo should walk and he should take the rest of this, these, this core with him. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, some of that is posturing. I'm sure that the Cubs are trying to set the bar as low as possible so that they can get the best deals they can here. But it's a far cry from the team that went out and got Jason Hayward and convinced Jason Hayward to sign with them for less than the Cardinals were offering because Jason Hayward just wanted to play in Chicago with this group of players so much. I, I don't know what the incentive is to ask one of these guys to take a pay cut to stay with this team that trades players like you Darvish and Victor Caratini for teenagers and a year of Zach Davies. Yeah, that's tough. If you had to, if it were up to you and you got to keep one out of those three, who would you pick? So I'm going to change your question slightly. Um, okay. One out of those three is easy. It's Anthony Rizzo. Mm-hmm. I think that the, the broader question includes Wilson Contreras, who is probably the trade, tri- the trade chip that could bring you the most since he's got two years left on his deal. He's a catcher who can actually hit and he's improved his framing numbers considerably. The two players I think the Cubs should extend are Anthony Rizzo and Wilson Contreras. And then I think they have some solutions internally um, that they can use in the short term for shortstop and third base. Uh, and then they can try to bring up some more, try to, you know, turn some more draft picks and free agent um deals into superstars to replace a Chris Bryant or a Javier Baez. And that pains me. I, Javier Baez is one of my favorite players. I, I would love the Cubs to get a deal done to keep Javi here for as long as Javi wants to play baseball. Um, but I worry a little bit that his skill set, the speed that it requires for him to be El Mago and to be able to hit balls out of the zone and turn them into home runs a la like, Vlad Guerrero Sr. or something. I think that skill set probably ages pretty poorly. And I'm not sure what Javier Baez looks like in five or six years. Um, whereas I'm I'm pretty sure what Anthony Rizzo looks like in four or five years. You know, he's a 280 to 290 hitter who's going to hit you 30 home runs and yeah. provide some gold glove defense at first. And I think that that's a, that's a much safer bet from my eyes. And I think Contreras is a safer bet for similar reasons. Okay. Let me ask you this about the Cubs. It's it's kind of interesting. So their player development of hitters is just, I mean, the track record is insane over the past, you know, seven, eight, nine years. With Bryant, they traded for Rizzo. 
but they got Baez, Contreras, and even now you you look Ian Happ, he's still pretty young, and like David Bodie's pretty solid too. But when you look at the pitching, like I can't remember the last guy that was was their guy and was you know pretty decent. What is what's their deal with being so great at developing hitters and then really there's nothing with pitching? I know they buy pitchers, they sign pitchers, um, but I don't know. It's just kind of weird to me. Well, that is the million-dollar question, and if I had an answer to it, I would probably be working for the front office. I think that that's the question Hendricks they would like guy, to know, too. He? Sort of. Right? Kyle Hendricks, they got in a trade um, from the Rangers. Uh, I believe it was the Matt Garza trade, although I could be wrong about that. Um, the guy that they drafted and developed like from start to finish, who you will see this season, is Albert Alzale. Um He's great. Alzelay's outstanding. He's got real good swing and miss stuff. He added a new pitch this season and could be could be a real star. But you're right. He's the one guy that they have managed to develop in a really long time. And so I don't know what the answer to that question is. I do know it's a weak spot for the team. The original Theo plan was to develop hitting and buy pitching, and that's the situation they find themselves in. Um, they have not been particularly good at developing their own pitching. As soon as they figure that out, I, w- I would love to know what's going on there too. Yeah, it's just it's just crazy to because because the hitting side of it is just so good. Like I can't think of another team that's developed just masher after after masher. Even you even look at like Kyle Schwarber. If you put him in the Pirates lineup, he's not on the Cubs anymore, obviously, but he he that fourth for us it's just it's just funny to funny to think about um yeah it's certainly an area that they need to work on I think that if they were developing pitchers the same way they develop hitters they would have had they would have had a much longer championship window but yes they would have (laughs) they did get their one though that they broke the curse which is yeah that was the greatest day of my life I'm not gonna lie Really? Oh yeah. I'm not, I mean, I'm not married and I don't have kids, so like, yeah, the Cubs winning well, the World Series was the was the best thing to happen so far. I guess graduating from college might have been close, but probably pretty sure that the Cubs winning the World Series was better. Well, I have to say, if the if the Pirates won the World Series during my lifetime, we'll see if that ever happens. That would probably be up there for my greatest day in my life as well. So I feel you on that. Um, It'll happen. may take a while. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Well, I think that's about – we could wrap things up there. Um, Thank you, of course, for coming on. It it was a a pleasure to chat. Oh, of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Second episode ever. You are actually the first real guest, so uh, thank you for that. Good stuff. Congratulations. Good stuff. I will always be the first guest of Talk the Plank, which – by the way, Talk the Plank is an outstanding podcast name. Yes, thank you. That was actually our uh, our great producer, Jeremy, thought that up. So <laughs> thanks to him. Awesome. Um, alrighty. So once again, where can we catch you at? Just remind me here. Yeah, so you can find my Cubs writing at bleedcubbyblue.com uh, right there a couple times a week. Just various things that are going on with the Cubs. I just started as a contributing writer at Van Graffs. It's more of national coverage by takes there. And then 
Uh, every series, Andy Cruz, Vanasek, and I are on the at Cup of Cubby Blue podcast. Just follow us on Twitter at Cup of Cubby Blue and we pin every new episode to the top there. So if you are looking for what's going on with the Cubs after any given series, that is where to find us. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah Sanchez. Um, I guess I can say good luck to the Cubs this season. <laughs> um, I really don't want to, but I will. But uh, thanks again. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to Talk the Plank, SB Nation's Pirates podcast on Bucks Dugout. I'm Nathan Hirsch. Find me on Twitter at Nathan underscore Hirsch. And uh, we can find you on Twitter as right. Well, oh, as yeah. Well, at, right? <laughs> at BCB underscore Sarah. No H on the Sarah. Awesome. Thanks again. And uh, thank you, listeners. Have a great rest of your day.